Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehila Community Podcast. I'm here with Pastor Nick Plummer in Studio B. How's it going, Pastor Nick? It's going excellent. It is going excellent. We are having a little bit too much fun today. We really it are. Maybe the extra cups of coffee that we're having today. We, we had need that. Exciting prayer breakfast this morning. That's right. Where there's plenty of coffee, and then we made more coffee when we got we here. We went to the uh, All Pro Pastors International Prayer Breakfast, second annual prayer breakfast. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the guest speakers was the Attorney General for the state of Florida, Ashley Moody, from Plant City, Florida herself. That's right. That's right. And Charlie Kirk. He was a Charlie by Kirk. telecast. Telecast. A, a guest and, a, and a retired Brigadier General from the Air Force. Yep. Telling us about spiritual warfare and what yeah. we can do. Yeah, awesome stuff. Yeah, I love going to those events, man. Those are. That was very. I feel pumped up. I feel ready to it go. Was like so good. Storm and the so, gates and of I was hell. Walking out, somebody gave me a Bible <laughs> that they've been working on for four years about the audible voice of God. That they, oh. you know, it's inspirational. Like yeah, when God yeah. would speak to somebody, it's color coded and things. And so, gave it to me. Nice. Thinking, wow, that is so cool. That is cool. Right, yeah, there's a lot of folks it. there. So, all right. Welcome, everybody, to Christians with Torah. Thank you for being here. If you're watching this right now on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button and uh, the notification bell so that you know what's going on and you can keep up with everything. Also, uh, on Facebook, if you're on here, you know, share it to your peoples, right, all over the world, because I know that everybody that's watching this, if you're important enough to be watching this, then you're important enough to have a huge following of people, and I want to make sure that this message gets out to your following, right? That's good. <laughs> it and is good. We would like to have some feedback. That's what I'm saying. And if you're also listening to this uh, on Give audio. Give us some feedback. Help through, us out. Through the podcast uh, app on Apple or on uh, you know, SoundCloud or Android. You have the, I think Google has a podcast app as well that we're on. Uh, even Spotify, right? We're all over the place on all the audio stuff. Go ahead and make sure you mash the heart if it's on there on your app and also leave us a review. I think that if you're going to listen to the rest of this podcast, you owe it to just pause it real quick, leave the review, and come back. And then, you know, I mean, when you get back, we'll still be here, I promise. (laughs) See, that's how that works. Uh, Also, if this is your first time watching, thank you for being here. We have been doing the tour portions for the last four years. So four seasons of every tour portion, right? Little bits of the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So for four years, we split that up into little pieces, and you can listen to... Uh, four episodes of each Torah portion of what our commentary was on that. But this year we're doing the book of Matthew, and uh, today we are in Matthew chapter 22, and we're going to do verses 1 through 22. Very good. So the wedding banquet, Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through uh, 22 is actually the— 1 through 7. Well, I'm going to read 1 through 7, but we're going to go to 22 verses. Here we go. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said— The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son, and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it, went their ways. 
one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. Verse 7. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth. And he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Ooh. Yikes. Harsh judgment. All right. So verses 1 through 3. This is a little interesting section here. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables, which is kind of cool. I like that he speaks by parables. Trying to teach a moral, a story. A story. And said, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a certain king which made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. So I remember last week when we were reading about another parable that involved a king. Yeah. And we said that that king was God himself, right? Was it the, uh, the owner? Or the, the good man? The good man, right? The good man. The household. The husbandmen were the caretakers. The landowner, right? The guy that's in charge. Head honcho. The good man. Right? So that was God himself. And he had a son. And we said that that was Jesus, right? Right. So I would say that in this parable, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to say the king here is God himself, and the son is Jesus right. in our parable. So in this parable, the king sends out the first invitation for marriage of his son, and the people refuse to come. So just basic face value understanding of what's happening. So the, uh, the parable continues. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. So it's, he, he sends the first invitation. Now he says, Hey, everything's ready to go. Let, let's do this. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. So back in the day, there's uh, this culture, right, would send two invitations. So two invitations were expected for banquets. And the first asked the guests to attend. So it was like, hey, save the date. And the second one was to announce when the banquet was ready. Yeah. Makes sense, right? Wow, things, that's sense. You got to really be ready for that. Well, and, and the, there's a lot of evidence for this, especially when it comes to weddings, right? Because nobody knew the day or the hour when the father would send the son to go and get his bride, right? So this is a, um, there's a really good documentary called Betrothed that, um, was it Hayavel did it? Yeah. And they, they take the Jewish wedding, the, the Hebrew style wedding, and show you kind of in modern day what that looked like. And they did it for their son, Braden. Braden did that. Um, the with first one. Right. So the second invitation resulted in the king's other servants being treated shamefully and killed. So do you remember in the previous parable that the servants that were sent to the vineyard keepers, right. they, the, they killed them, and then they finally ended up killing the son in our previous parable. So, wow. some, so there's some parables going on here, or some parables, some parallels, parallels going on here. There's some parables going on too. Yes, <laughs> yes, sir. So uh, verse 7, But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Wow, so he's mad, he sent armies, Yeah. he destroyed those murderers, and he burned up their city. Four things. Well, and you know what I noticed? So his anger resulted in a judgment. It did. For we're not appointed to God's wrath. Here's what I notice: The invitation is sent, and two of them are just like, I'm too busy. I got work. You know, my kids have practice or, you know, baseball games. Rick did game. a good job on that last night. Right. Oh, I got right. to watch the Super Bowl on my new TV. That's right. That's right. Oh, wait, I'm, I'm golfing with my boss. It's important. It's my boss. What do you want me to do? It's my boss. It's like, well, the big boss is yeah, inviting you. Interesting. 
So one to one to the farm, one is merchandise. This can also be translated to his business, right? His business affairs. But then notice this. It says, and the remnant. So there was a, a select specific few took the servants and entreated them spitefully and killed them. So two groups were just apathetic. And maybe if they weren't so apathetic, maybe they could have been there and stopped what happened to the servants. So let me get this straight. What I'm thinking is this. Is it possible that your current job that you have and purchasing, being a consumer, could take you away from God? Mm. You can miss God because of the job that you do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Even to earn money or be a provider, you can miss God. Yes. Even though you're a hard worker and you're a provider, you can still miss the invitation. Yes. Wow. Which is a tough reality if you really think about it. You know, we all have to be disciplined in creating what we call spiritual margin, which is the time in our day to spend time with the Lord. Um, it's not just pastors that need to be reading their Bibles and praying, right? Every believer, it's incumbent on every believer to be in the Word, doing worship and prayer, and not so, just once a week. So if we're not worshiping, we're not praying, and we're not in the, the Word, even at an intense level of understanding and, and asking questions, and wow, that was interesting. You know, I, I was reading in Judges, and I was a little perplexed. Oh, Judges is so perplexing. I had to go. I had to go get some commentary. Yeah, because I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> They're going to wipe out the whole tribe of Benjamin. Yep. And 600 men escape to the mountains and they want to save Benjamin, but there's no women. Right. So they have to totally go after a certain city of people that didn't come out to fight against Benjamin, wiped them all out, but 400 virgins. And then they go and they give them to the 600 men, but they're 200 short. So they have to go to Shiloh and get the girls of Shiloh that are virgins so you can have 600 virgins for 600 Benjamites. <laughs> I mean... I had to just, and I went to bed. You know, this is, this is how you I'm know just saying. the Bible is real. <laughs> because because who, who writes that story? Because there's got to be a reason for this. It's got to be relevant. That's right. So you're talking about fields and merchandise. Yes. So that's scary. It is. Boy, that's what's happening. It is. Well, and the, the tough part is that the apath our apathy, our lack of interest in the things of God can cause us to be... Lob, you know, lumped in with the wicked. Because that's essentially what's happening to America. If America, because of the, the poor leadership that's been happening in America, right? Because of that. A vacuum. If, if America fails, then we all fail with it, right? It's not like, oh, well, the righteous are here. Well, I was doing right. my part. Well. There's more than 10 righteous. He won't destroy us. Mm. No, we destroy ourselves. Exactly. And that's, that's what I mean by that, is that these people that are in office keep getting voted in by the people. So if we're not, everybody's not pulling their weight and doing their part, eventually the t scales tip, right? And it's just the, the slope that's going downhill too fast. I talked with a gentleman that's very political. He knows all about the candidates, the judges and everything. And he, he, he said that he noticed something. Whenever there's a judge, everyone just checks off, retain, retain, retain. It's easy. Yeah. Well, it's a judge. He's a We'll just retain him without doing the homework. Yeah. I mean, that's what he told me. If you're listening to me right now, how often do you do research on the judges that you vote for to retain or not retain or whatever? I mean, do you even at least consult with Shame somebody? Us, that huh? is, well, do we at least consult with somebody that is doing the research? That's, that's what, what I, I do. That, that's what I do. Yeah, I'm with you. Oh, yeah. Let them do the work for you. Well, at least somebody that you trust their value system so that 
and that they'll be more informed and even understand the information better than you would to give you a recommendation, right? And then if you have other information that, you know. Right. So, so verse seven is the clincher, right? You already read it? Well, I did, but it's tough because. What would you say to that, though? What's the, what's the little. Oh, the little bullet point the outline. Here? It's an extreme punishment reserved for serious treason and revolt against the king, possibly an allusion to the forthcoming destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. Wow. Well, that could be used against the Jews. Yeah. They murdered Jesus. Yeah. Burned the city, Titus, yeah. 70 AD. Well, to be fair, it wasn't all the Jews. I'm just saying that when you look at this parable, it's kind of shocking. Yeah, it's tough. Murderers. Right. That's. I mean, it, and that's and that's what I mean. How what about the farmer and the businessman that were just apathetic about it? You know, just didn't care. Didn't Different even class of people. Didn't even bother to come. Wow. You know? All right. So let's go on to uh, you Matthew. You can read, and I'll take it from here. Yep. Chapter twenty-two, verses eight through ten. I see what go you're ahead. doing there. I you see. Know. See, he he tries to keep the best parts for himself. You not know? really. Yeah. That's it's not till later. It's all good. When I get to number seven. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So. Chapter 22, verses 8 through 10. Then he said to his servants, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. Wow, that's 8 through 10, right? It is. That's self-explanatory. Well... We have some new characters that have been added to our, our list you of characters. You go ahead and expound on that. Sure. We, have, uh, we have the king that we already have, which is God himself. We have the son, which is, right. which is uh, Jesus. We have the servants, which last week in the previous parable we had discovered those were, were the treated, prophets. They were treated shamefully. And the righteous priests, right, who were treated shamefully. So now we have another set of servants, right? Well, they killed them. Well, well they killed those servants. They killed right? the servants. They killed the son. So then he says to his servants to go out into the highways, right? And as many as you can find. So we're, we're opening it up to where now... Bad and good. Anybody can come. Republican, Democrat, bad Libertarian, Independent. and good. So but what? Bad and good? Are you sure? Are you, are you sure? So there's this announcement. There's going to be a marriage. So there's bad and there's good. The highways and the byways, right? Wait, wait a second, boss. Are you sure? They're invited. They're invited. They are invited. All right. So do you want to read or do you want me to read? I'll read and you take it from here? Oh, that's my turn to read. Oh, you sure? Okay. And then you can take it. No, no. That's how no, it works. No. I read, then you take it. And then I read, and then you take it. Then I take it. Yeah. It's 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 all. Well, it's all right here. Yeah, that's <sighs> so what I'm saying. Good. And we need to read those verses, too, in, in the parentheses. Okay. Now we're going to jump into the wedding banquet even deeper, uh, Matthew 22, verses 11 through 14. And when the king came in to see the guests... He saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Okay, so I just read verses 11 and 12. So here's the party. Here's the people. The, the, the king comes in and sees a guy. Mm -hmm. Hey, a man. This is a wedding. Where's your wedding garment? Right. How'd you get in here? And the man was speechless, like clueless. So you want to expound on that? Well, let me give you the two points that are here in the notes um, first. Because point number one, I think, is pretty big. I, I hadn't thought about this before, um, and I thought this was pretty cool. It says, there is some evidence in the ancient world for a king supplying garments for his guests. And there's uh, 
some mention of this in Genesis chapter 45, verse 22. I'll do that one. All right. 45, 22, the king gives garments. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Joseph revealing himself to his brothers. This is the, the, the keep it in context. So verse 22, to all of them, he gave each man changes of raiment. But to Benjamin, he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of raiment. Wow. So he's yeah. providing clothing. Yep. The king is providing clothing, the, the leader, Joseph. And so also in Esther chapter 6, verses 8 and 9, uh, you know, Esther. Esther? Yep. Esther? <laughs> Ishtar? Oh. Esther 6, 8 and 9. 6, 8 and 9. Let the royal apparel be brought which the king useth to wear, and the horse that the king rideth upon, and the crown royal which is set upon his head. And let this apparel and horse be delivered to the hand of one of the king's most noble princes, that they may array the man with all whom the king delighteth to honor, and bring him on horseback through the street of the city, and proclaim before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delighteth to honor. That's awesome. That's Haman. Yeah. Saying, hey, this is how you should honor the guy, King. You know, poor Haman. And he had to do it. Yeah. So so we, we, we established that there's some biblical evidence for this, but it's also there's some extra biblical evidence for this occurring within, you know, kingdoms and whatnot. And it says, and more broadly, there is the story of God clothing his unworthy people in beautiful garments. And this can be found in Ezekiel chapter 16, verses 10 through 13. 16, 10 through 13. Yes, sir. I clothed thee also with broidered work and shod thee with badger skin. And I girded thee about with fine linen and I covered thee with silk. I decked thee also with ornaments and I put bracelets upon thy hands and a chain on thy neck. Nice. Wow. And I put a jewel on thy forehead and earrings in thine ears and a beautiful crown upon thine head. Verse 13. Thus wast thou decked with gold and silver, and thy raiment was of fine linen and silk and broidered work. Thou didst eat fine flour and honey and oil, and thou wast exceeding beautiful, and thou didst prosper into a kingdom. Wow. Wow. So, so that's, uh, what, uh, that's from Ezekiel, right? The prophet Ezekiel. And Ezekiel is a very cool prophet. Yeah, we won't go to Romans the next reference, but go ahead and fill that in. So Yeshua could be alluding to imputed righteousness, which Paul elaborates in later in the book of Romans in chapter 3, verses 21 through 31, and also again in chapter 4, verses 22 through 25. Putting on righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. Correct. So thus, by not wearing the garment provided, this guest has highly insulted the host. Okay. So imagine, um, I've been to restaurants before where they have a dress code, right? And you have to go in and they're like, sir, you have to wear a coat, you know, or whatever, something like that. But what's cool is a lot of times, if people are kind of walking off the street, they'll be like, oh, but we have a closet right here you can put a coat on, you know? And they'll have like some extras or whatever for people that didn't know, you know, to help them out. So it seems like the king is providing garments for folks. And so maybe somebody went ahead and put it on and got past the maitre d' and then took it off later. Or they just kind of blew past or snuck in somehow. They, They figured they could get in there. But here, to their, you know, detriment, the king sees him, right? I think there was a Phil Collins album called No Jacket Required. 
because <laughs> there was something about he was going out to dinner or something. Yeah. Back in the day, man, they used to have that a lot more. They don't do that. And so much uh, he didn't have a coat or a jacket, yep. and he couldn't get in the restaurant. So he yeah. said, "I'm going to need my album, no jacket required." You know, there's a scene in the movie with Jack Nicholson. I can't remember what the movie's called. Uh, I mean, you know what? It may be as good as it gets. Which I don't remember much about this movie, but I remember this part where he has he goes in, and he's supposed to be putting on it, or they they stop him at the door. And while the guy goes to get him a jacket, or he goes next door to get a jacket, something like that. But he makes the comment to his date. He's like, so they let you in in a house dress, but they make me put on a jacket and insulted her. It wasn't good. No. No, no, it wasn't good. Clothing is real big with God. Well, I think the clothing is symbolic, right, in this case. Because I think you make that point about the righteousness of saints here, right? So the wedding garment may refer to a clean garment symbolizing evidence of righteous works. In Revelation chapter 19, verses 7 and 8 can give us uh, an example of that. Okay, yeah, Revelation 19, uh, I want to do 7, 8, and 9. Okay. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready. Mm-hmm. Wow. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen clean and white for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints and he saith unto me right blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the lamb and he saith unto me these are the true sayings of god amen so there's there's some action that has to be taken would you agree oh absolutely and so there's also an example in Exodus where the children of Israel had to wash their clothes before they were married to God at Mount Sinai. Exodus 19.10. Mm-hmm, in order to receive the Torah. Um, and so you remember that, right? It said, come not at your wives, right? Stay There's pure. a lot of stuff in there. Exodus 19 is all about a marriage. It is. So Which Exodus. is interesting because God marries the children of Israel. So you're saying Israel's the bride. I know. That's and crazy, the Lord right? said unto Moses, go unto thy people, sanctify them today and tomorrow. And let them wash their clothes mm-hmm. and be ready against the third day. For the third day, the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai. Interesting. On the third day, huh? <laughs> so, so I think that we've established that the garments here, uh, at the very least, can be compared to the righteousness, Right. And that this person was not clothed in that righteousness, either imputed righteousness from Yeshua or righteous works. So I don't think this person had either, right? And number two, it also could have been provided by the king, and then he rejected it. So it's kind of like you can go to church but not be born again. Oh, yeah. Not be saved. That's right. You can be a total heathen, a sinner, and just go to church. Yep. Because the person saw the invitation. Yes. And they came. Right. But they weren't properly clothed for the marriage. Right. The wedding. Yeah, for the banquet. Um, all right, so why don't you read uh, verse Matthew 13. Matthew 22, there. 13. Then said the king to the servants, bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's right. So the weeping and gnashing of teeth can also be found in Matthew eight twelve and Matthew 25, verse 30. It is used to denote extreme anguish and utter despair of men consigned to eternal punishment in hell. Mm. That's a little, that's stiff. I I thought maybe, you know, that particular commentary or judgment, I I don't know. I mean, I would almost like to say what, like what you said, that this is not about the bride. No, I don't think it is. 
So that kind of takes away my thing of saying, well, they're just not the bride. Right. So we were talking prior to hitting the record button. Um, I was mentioning that in this parable, it doesn't appear because some people will pull some doctrinal things out of this. Uh, and it's not to say that there aren't other places where you can get the ideology that there's the bride, the bridal party, and the guests. Yeah, I have right? that here. Right? But in this case, this is a parable, and we're talking about how the ones that were invited refused to come. Right? And then the ones that, that were not invited originally that are just pulled off the street are brought in. Yeah. And that's showing how... Because of the branches being broken off, there was room made for us to be grafted in, right? And I think this is a parable that describes that scenario and not necessarily the bride of the second coming of Yeshua in this particular one, right? I think this is more of a the present circumstance that we're in, the, the status quo. The wedding in and of itself. Correct. Who's going to come and be prepared or properly dressed? Right. Um, Interesting. But then we have this final statement. See, Yeshua, when he was doing a couple parables ago, a few chapters ago, probably chapter 20, he would finish at least two of the parables with, but many will be, many of the la- first will be last, and the last will be first. Right, that's right? another thing. Yeah. So he has these, these, like, these phrases that wrap up and put a bow on his parables. And so verse 14 is just that for this parable. For many are called, but few are chosen. Mm-hmm. So the little note is, it can be said that many are called, but few choose. That's right. So I always tell the story about people trying to reach me to be born again, to get me saved. Yeah. But I was Catholic. I'm, I'm good. You know. Then in March of 92, I got born again in my apartment by myself with the Lord, changed my life. And then I go back to these guys, hey, thanks for planting seeds in me or trying to win me to the Lord. I just, yeah. it didn't happen. Which is awesome for you to go back and tell them, by the way. I mean. Because the time I was 15 to almost 25 were my wasted years. Yeah. So think about that. So I'm actually, you know, really from high school on, it was downhill. Yeah, but you've had more years now. Oh, yeah, bar none. Since then. Oh, the the enemy, he's paid back everything that he <laughs> took. Those 10 years? No. I was just trying to make the comment that you're older than it, double that now. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting. I think about my age sometimes, and I'm like, I, I need to go sit down. <laughs> you know, let me, yeah. let me go. I'm going to go lay down. You know, my dad's in a position, you know, where he's sometimes will be like, yeah, I didn't think I was going to make it this long. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I don't even deal with that because I'm going to live forever. There you go. Praise God. Alive and remain. That's right. That's us. That's right. That We're that group. Yeah. They got MAGA. They got, you know, all kinds of movements. <laughs> That's right. Alive and remain movement. That's I'm right. not going to die. That's right. And what are you going to do if I die anyway? Yeah. Well, he died. Oh, well. You're just going to sleep. I'm in a better place. I've read Thessalonians. I know what happens. <laughs> We keep blowing those shofars, man, mm. like today. Mm-hmm. That's right. And it's like at the sound of the Trump, you know. That's right. You did a pretty good job. Trump. I was impressed with your, yeah, your shofar. I, pulled, I had a little, little squeak there, but it yeah. was good. You, know, it was, you did good. It wasn't pre-recorded. It was real. No, it was real. I wasn't Milli Vanilli, man. It's a real deal. I was real. Well, it's like when you hear the rabbis do it. I mean, they just go for you it. You know, I had it, and I, I was a little nervous yeah. when, when he asked me to do it. Sure. I want you to blow the shofar. Yeah. And I was a little nervous. I said, I can do that for you, Paul. Because yeah. I got confident. I can do this. Yeah. I blow it at prayer, and I blow it. The, this Rams was my, it was my father-in-law's. Yeah. I won't say, but, you know, somebody else almost tried to get it, but I got it. So <laughs> I blew that thing, and I when I was going up there, I said, Lord, I'm blowing this for you. Yeah. And and it came out steady and solid, and then a little, whoop, 
at the end. That, that little whoop at the end is perfect. That was that was. That's what you want. Cut it off like a circumcision. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and then exited. But yeah, I felt great. It's like Rabbi Shlomo, half off circumcision. It's so funny because like Paul didn't give any explanation, didn't say anything. And I just did what I was told. That's no, right. you'll be introduced. Just come and blow it and exit. Boom. No Boom. problem. I don't get there and expound and be up, you know. No, no. Heavy winded, you know. You did good. I didn't need a microphone. You did good. Praise God. Yeah. See? That's good you stuff. You never know. So... So what does that have to do with anything? Well, but many are called, but few are chosen. That's where we're at now. And I was thinking about this from kind of like an existential standpoint. Like, so Paul talks about this it, when he says that we're saved by faith alone, right? But then he says, but even the faith that you have to believe was a gift from God to you. So then, you get, so then you get this that's, question. That's a good thing. Then you get this question in your mind. So then, like, I literally was chosen. And then we get, the, you know, obviously we have free will, and you have this balance uh, between the free will and then, like, what God has predestined for us, because God has a plan for us, you know? And so are, are these competing ideologies? I would say in God's cosmic plan, probably not. It, it works, because clearly it works. He created it so this way. So let, let me ask you a question because I just got a thought. All right. I don't want to take anything away from what you're saying. No, no. But that was pretty good that God gave us faith. That was like, wow, that's a download. No, but let me ask you this. Here's some Bible trivia. Okay. I'm not trying to stump you or anything. No, it's all good. So it says, for many are called, but few are chosen. Yes. Okay. So what did God tell Gideon to do to distinguish between the males who would actually, you know, you mean the lapping be, of the water? Be the three hundred. So, he, so, so he had to choose a certain right. type of man when they went down to the to the water to drink. Right. He said, "These are the ones that you're going to pick," because he had like thousands. Well, yeah, he had a bunch. He whittled it down to three hundred. But what did those three hundred have to do that he picked? So, so the difference was between lapping water with your hand, right. or sticking your face in the water and drinking okay. it straight so out. So the ones that put the hand to the mouth were chosen, right? Because they're they're smart. Because they can see the enemy. Right, they're, right, right. They're still alert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those were chosen. If you just stuck your head in there, you're, you're, you're dead meat. You're done, <laughs> yeah, right? Right. You're like that antelope drinking away, and there comes a crocodile. Yeah, yeah. So there's got to be requirements. So it's funny because- That's deep. It just dawned on me a little bit there uh, that as he's whittling them down, he starts out by saying to like, I think there's from twenty to 30,000 men. Uh, thirty probably thirty thousand men and twenty thousand of them go home. When he says, "If you're fearful, go home," and like more than half leave and go home. So now he's only got the ones that are either brave or stupid, like either really brave or too stupid to <laughs> to go home with the fearful, right? And I, I say that tongue in cheek. I don't, you know, I'm not trying to build a doctrine on that. But but he even and then he whittles it down even no, more. No, he did a vetting process before that. If you're afraid. They, they were gone. Right. Then he went to the next, the, the lapping of the water. Correct. Right. So it's a double, double thing. So now that he's got just the, the ones that are brave enough. Wow, Now he Ryan. gets the brave and the smart. Wow. The ones that are doing the Ryan, lapping think the about hand. this. Think about this. It just came to my mind. Yeah, yeah. For those that are listening or watching both or whatever, think about this, Ryan. So if you are in the Hebrew Roots movement and you're bashing the church. Ooh. Are you chosen? I'm just saying, I mean, are, would you be chosen? Uh, I mean, if you look at the... You wouldn't the be part plan. of my 300 army. No, but as far as the redemptive <laughs> plan of God and how it's unfolding. 
Yeah. Okay. Let, let's just think about it. Yeah. All right. In the Hebrew roots movement. Okay. What if we don't have reconciliation with the with the Jews as Gentiles that we don't come together and 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 and, mm. and have a mutual respect? Do you think you're disqualified? Do you think you would be chosen in, in spite of that? Well, how can you be two houses if you don't have the other house? What if you're bashing the church? You don't have nothing to do with the Orthodox Jews or the Jewish people. You won't be chosen. Right. Well, you're not, you've, you're not qualified for that position. So what if you're stuck right now and you're watching this and you're wondering why you're stuck? Get out. Right. Get away from these people. Right. Well, get, Because God's plan is the restoration we got in the whole house of Israel. In the land of Israel. Uh, it, it's just we've got to really start putting the pieces together. Why shoot yourself in the foot? Yeah, don't and do we it. We won't talk about that. No. People that shoot themselves in the foot. People that could be so successful. Mm. People that could do incredible, great things if they would just close their mouth. Mm. Yes. Think about it. Yeah. Think about it. Right? Think about your own personal life when you, you could have done better, but you didn't, and you ruined it for yourself, mm-hmm. and you made a mistake. You shouldn't have said that. Yep. I've no, been there. I shared that with my, my boys. They laughed at me, and I won't get into the example that I did, <laughs> but I'll just say that I said something about somebody else, yeah. and I lost my job. Ooh. They walked me off the property. Wow. And I was so distraught, Aww. and my heart was like, this is not who I am. This is not, that's not what yeah, I meant. Yeah, 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 yeah. I couldn't take it back. Yeah, yeah. And I look back on it even now. Yeah. Still stings a little bit. Right? It was the Handelman Company. I'll never forget it. They did like music and cassettes in the Sable Park. It was a great job. Yeah, I lost it like that. Wow. I wasn't chosen. Yeah. I blew it. Yeah, you blew it. So this is why we have to be so careful yeah. with your sound bites and everything. You know. Yeah. Just like the attorney was saying that you know if you go online and you click anything, yep. they can put it up in the court for the jury to see. Ouch. So what are you clicking on? Yeah, it's not good. No. So before we move on, I want to just circle back. Um, to many are called, but few are chosen. Because I, I know that I've heard this, because you've mentioned this several times, that in the Greek, that word chosen, you could also say, but few choose. Yeah, that concept. Because I truly think that we do choose. Um, we have to. Because we have free will. But like I mentioned earlier, but Paul says that even the faith that we were given that made us choose was a gift from God. I know. So then it's like, well, wait, did I choose? You know? <laughs> the answer is yes, you did. But you were also chosen. Right. And I think it's this mutual thing that happens. But then there are those and there's many of them that don't choose or weren't chosen. Right. And I don't know why it happens the way that it does. But Paul explains it pretty clearly, just like with Moses, that God shows mercy and favor to whomever he shows mercy and favor to. I mean, he's the sovereign one who makes those choices. Let's do the discussion. We got to move on here. Discuss how you became justified by the finished work of the cross and now you are being sanctified by your own personal choices every day. I think the answer is in the question. Well, I just want to say this. I was born again in March of 1992. And then I went to the First Baptist Church of Pleasant Grove and was baptized in water. Mm. From there, I went to Family Worship Center with Pastor Reggie Scarborough in Lakeland, Florida. This was a Word of Faith church where I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. After that, I went to Valrico New Life, uh, became a Bapticostal, filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, The pastor there was Baptist, got filled with the Holy Spirit, wanted to dance, wanted to worship. And then, of course, from there, I moved right into the Hebrew Roots movement because of what the Lord downloaded on me, that one day I would go to Israel and someone would come into my path to take me. So there's the Hebrew Roots movement. And all of that, of course, requires action, the Shabbat. The dietary laws, only eating clean meats, 
the feast day, celebrating them, the reading the Torah portions, all these things are actions and choices mm-hmm. that I'm making personally, but it doesn't save me. Right. But I'm being set apart, sanctified. Actually, he says, I will sever you from the people. Yeah. You ever just been like cutting chicken or like a turkey? And you're like, I just got to cut that bone off because I want that leg. Yeah. From the little round knob and cut that thing off. And that's how God's saying, I'm going to sever you. You can't be attached to other people or the world. I'm going to sever you and I want you for me. Yeah. And I believe that's what he's doing today. He's severing us to him to draw closer to him. That's what I really, I'm experiencing it. And, uh, and I want other people to experience it. Amen. Because it really is true. Because, you know, because your, your, your brain is like a computer, you download everything. You got long-term memory, short-term memory. You're filing it. You're processing it. Yeah. And so you have to ask yourself, what am I actually putting into my brain? Yeah. It's a condition to a, you know, a response to a stimulus. And so, therefore, if you put all these good things in, then good things are going to come out. So, so how, do you, how do you feel about that? Well, um, I feel like I was born again. Uh, I would, I'd know for sure I was born again at about 19 years old. Um, but I mean, I was baptized into the Methodist church at like seven, you know, they have a good method, Methodia. That's what I hear. I hear the Methodist, Methodia. Um, but, uh, but for sure when I was 19, I made a decision for myself for sure. And since that day, I can tell you that even before that, that God has worked in my life to sanctify me to him. And that step by step, little by little, um, he has shown me things, and even, you know, recently there's even been, because of the Hebrew Roots movement and coming into this understanding, that God has really even taken me to other levels, you know what I mean, with him. Right. And I'm so appreciative that he even cares enough to do that and to break off the rough edges on me and sand me down with sandpaper and make, you know, things that were previously rough, smooth. And but you incorporate it into your life. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Every day. All right, we're going to read Matthew chapter 22, verses 15 through 17. It's my turn to read. It's Yeshua and taxes. That's right. Oh, yeah. We're, tax season. <laughs> Listen, I'm excited The, the about end of the year is coming up. You oh, know? I'm so excited. If you got some planning you need to do, make sure I you do so it. I got so many dependents. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Thank you. I, too, have dependents. Thank you, Uncle Sam. But um, my situation. It pays to have children. It does. It truly does. It truly does. So. Uh, number 15, or sorry, verse 15 through 17. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. And they sent to him their disciples with the Herodians saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God in truth. Nor do you care about uh, anyone for you are not, you do not regard the person of men. Tell us therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? Or not? What did the council of the Pharisees want to do to Yeshua? I love this. Entangle him in his talk. Oh, they want to entangle him. They want to trip him up. You know, it, it goes on to say in, in 16, like here, which we read, but, and they sent out unto him their disciples, these are the Pharisees, sure, with the Herodians, yep. Herod, saying, Master, we know that thou art true and teachest the way of God in truth. Neither carest thou for any man, for thou regardest not the person of men. The statement could be translated, okay, they're just buttering him up, patronizing him. (laughs) You are very honest and teach the truth regardless of the consequences, without fear 
or favor. So answer this question without fear or favor with the truth. Don't don't think politically. You know, it's interesting. Tell us the, the real en- answer. When the enemy comes together, they never stay together. Remember oh, yeah. that. When the enemy comes together, they never stay together. You can see this with Balaam and Balak. They went their separate ways. Sure did. Balaam ends up dying, and of course, Balak ends up losing everything. But although the Pharisees and the Herodians were adversaries in regard to many political and religious issues, they joined forces here to combat the perceived threat to their power and status. Oh, there's those that want power and position. That's right. And Jesus was uh, infringing upon that and jeopardizing that is what he was doing. It's interesting, too, because in Iran, now China, there are demonstrations, protesters against tyranny, yeah. against communism, mm-hmm. you know, because China is so bad on these lockdowns, tyrannical lockdowns, yeah. you know. You it's can't crazy. even leave your home. It's crazy. I mean, it's, it's terrible. And so, once again, um, this is what's going on. So then the question, what was the question that they asked Yeshua? Did, did we read that? We didn't, number 10. But we did read it, right? We did read. We read it, right. We did read it. Okay, so here's another point, though, that we missed. Although the Pharisees and the Herodians were adversaries in regard to many political and religious issues, they joined forces Yeah, we did here. that. To combat and per- the perceived yeah, threat we did to the that. political so, power yeah, what was, yeah. But here's the thing. This describes a concept that is uh, ever-present in our political system on the left today. And it's called intersectionality, right? And it's as old as time. They just don't want to say, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? Because why would a leftist, transgender-supporting, gay marriage-supporting, abortion-supporting individual and a Muslim, right— be, why would they be on the same political party? It makes no sense, except that they both have the same enemy, right? That's interesting. That's it. That's called intersectionality. Where they intersect, they can now separate, right? They can't defeat this big Satan, but they consider us, the righteous. But when they get together and they join forces, they intersect at that point, and then once that's done, then they can go and eat each other alive. Right. So, so the question they ask Yeshua, is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? Right. And I guess I'll read 18 to 22 and finish it up. Then you can take it from there. So there's the question. Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? Here we go. Verses 18 to 22, Matthew 22. But Jesus perceived their wickedness Mm -hmm. and said, Why tempt ye me, ye hypocrites? Show me the tribute money. And they brought unto him a penny. And he saith unto them, Whose is this image and superscription? They say unto him, Caesar's. Then saith he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. When they had heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. That's right. That's incredible. So uh, the question that they asked him, uh, or that, I'm sorry, that he asked them when he perceived their wickedness was, Why tempt ye me? ye hypocrites. Why do you tempt me, hypocrites? And here, uh, this word hypocrites has come up a lot in the book of Matthew, um, and it's the Greek word hypocrites, right? And it means an actor under an assumed character, a stage player, i.e. figuratively a dissembler, right? So these hypocrites are pretenders, is what they are. And if you can pretend good enough and act, you can win an Oscar. Oh, good. I call it the Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, the statue, right? 
<laughs> I know. Isn't that funny? Oh, geez, Louise. Look at what you win. Uh, so Yeshua avoided this trap by showing that we have dual citizenship. And you can find this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17. Our citizenship in the nation requires that we pay money for the services and benefits we receive. However, our citizenship in the kingdom of heaven requires that we pledge to God our ultimate obedience and commitment. Let's read that. Yeah, so that's going to be 1 Peter yeah. chapter 2, verse 17. Honor all men... Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Right. Good. Yeah. And, and there's also, I think Paul also, uh, Paul mentions, you know, submit yourself to the ruling authorities. Oh, we can go there. Okay. Romans 13, 6 and 7. Romans 13. Oh, I see it. You re- see, it's not on my notes, but you snuck it in on your notes. This is why they pay me the big bucks. That's right. Romans 13, 6 and 7. For this cause pay ye tribute also. For they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. And just one little note, and I'll turn it over to you, Ryan. One little note that Yeshua paid taxes. Yeah. In Matthew 17, verses 24 through 27, Peter was challenged, does your master pay taxes? And so Peter went to Yeshua, and he goes, of course we do. Go catch the fish, get the coin out of his mouth, and go pay the tax. Remember, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Right? Wow. Because we don't, anyways, I don't even want to go back. We had did an episode on that parable a few episodes ago. I don't remember which chapter it's in, but it was good. I remember it, and I enjoyed it. Um, So here's what happens. When they had heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. So Yeshua outwardsmithed them with his little thing, because they thought they were going to trap him, right? But they couldn't trap him. And so what did they do? They said, you know what, boss? You don't pay us enough to do this. This guy's clearly uh, a heavyweight, and we're just like a, a lightweight or a welterweight, you know? And I'm not getting in the ring with him again. <laughs> I got my clock cleaned, you know? Because that was the knockout punch, right? Give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. Listen, I like paying my taxes. I got some nice roads. Huh? Right? Yeah. You know, I will say this. Uh, for any of the young folks that are are watching this, it, w- and, you know, I don't know who, who listens or watches our stuff because, you know, we don't get that much feedback. But when we do get feedback, um, it's usually people that are kind of like-minded with us. But maybe sometimes people that aren't like-minded with us listen. And I would say to the young folks that are out there in our school systems and things like that, that we're, there's like these principles and things that are being passed down that would say, hey, you know, rich people should pay more taxes and we should do more stuff. The government is the, is the solution to our problems and we need more government intervention and this or that. And, you know, every law is enforced at the end of a gun, right? Bottom line. And so we have to just remember that when we put the government in into something, it means that they're going to enforce it through the, the means that they enforce everything. And that's not always, you know, the right way to go about things. And I would just say to be cautious in those regards, right? That's good. So, what two points can be learned from Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 22? Do you want to go first? I don't, I don't, one way or the other. I'll go first, yeah. So, my first point was, everyone needs to put on the righteousness of Christ. Ooh, wow. Right? 
Think about it. Whether you are, because what, you know what? There was a verse in here that I didn't mention. I mentioned it last night, but I wanted to mention it today, where it said that the ones that were originally invited were not worthy. Right? Verse 8. Chapter 22, verse 8 says, Then saith him to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden or invited were not worthy. So then he sends them out to go. So this is a parable showing, hey, the Jews, not worthy, go get the Gentiles. And so this has been a verse where the doctrine of replacement theology has been built on it. And they've just basically taken it out of context and they ignore the whole rest of Scripture, eisegetically, you know, pulling this out. So would you agree that the cursing of the fig tree is... A parallel of that as well because it said it wasn't time for the figs right like it wasn't time for them to believe right right i don't know well here's another branches thing. are broken off so we could be grafted in no matter because who, of their unbelief no matter who you are you need to put on the righteousness of christ that's why they couldn't go into the promised land because mm. of their unbelief that's Correct. what it actually says in numbers right so all of us need to put on the the righteousness of christ if we want to be at that wedding banquet is there a garment of praise that you can put on absolutely for the spirit of heaviness Wow. But there's so the when you're depressed, praising. There's the bride. That's what I do. The bridal party and the guests, right? All of them have to be dressed properly. So no matter what it is, you need to... And the Levites had a dress code. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So my second point was Yeshua hates hypocrisy. Clearly. He, I mean, just in the next couple chapters, he is going to blister the Pharisees over hypocrisy. Yeshua hates hypocrisy. Now, I would be one to say that all of us are hypocrites, right? We've all done hypocritical things. So thank God for point number one, the righteousness of Christ, (laughs) you know? Because without it, our hypocrisy would be what's imputed to us and not the righteousness of Christ himself, who is not a hypocrite. Wow. All right, do you have two points? What was the second one again? First one was put on the righteousness of Christ. Second was Yeshua hates hypocrisy. Wow. Be sincere. Yes. Be honest. Be who you are. So, number one, are you clothed with the righteousness of Yeshua with right actions? Mm. Look at you. Like we so both had the same point. I know. If you say that you're a Christian, then act like one. Oh, I like that. So that's like both of my points combined. See, you know, I think if we're sincere and honest and, and we just talk about life mm-hmm. and the good things about it and the challenges of it, I think it's better than talking about people. Mm-hmm. Number two. Yes. Pay your taxes. <laughs> Some people move to another state according to the tax laws. Just ask Wesley Snipes. I, that came to my mind. <laughs> Some people have gone to jail for not paying their taxes. I'm a sovereign citizen. The IRS is a separate institution. It's not even part of the government. It was passed hey, unconstitutionally. What's wrong with this picture? Jesus said pay taxes. You know, yeah. it's so funny. I had somebody come in my office and talk, talk about that. Oh, a sovereign citizenship? Well, they're like saying, you know, I just don't believe in paying taxes. I said, listen, it's in the Bible to pay your taxes. Are, like, you, do, are you going to jail? Like, what do you want? So like a month ago, they came back. They said, I'm, I'm making up my taxes. Yeah, there you go. Because I talked some sense into them. You don't want to go to jail. Listen. You don't want to have that on your on your credit, on your in your personal life. I mean, I don't know, man. That, is that a fight worth fighting? I mean, really? So here's the issue I'm that we have saying. in our country at this point. The bottom 50% of income earners in the United States pays zero taxes. And most of that group pays a negative tax rate. So the, the ideology around what the government should be doing for the taxes, right? People don't think, oh, I pay these this amount 
and this is what I get. I don't even really think about it, to be honest well, with you. Well, again, if you're, the way our system works is if, if it's withheld that from your paycheck, you have a different mindset. When you move to the business ownership style, right, and then you have to pay taxes and you know what that dollar amount is. It's, it's, well, I'm going to let you do that for you me. Change Why don't you do that for me? Your mindset. Why don't you look up the Florida tax laws a little bit for Florida? And well, say, Florida hey, has no federal income. There's no income tax for Florida. Okay, but what I'm saying, there's a sales tax, there's a gas tax. So, yes. you know, how do they? How does it, how does this government survive so well in the state of Florida? Well, first tourism, off, 22 million people. We're the third most populous state. So it was California, Texas, Florida. Interesting. Over 330 million people live in America, right? Correct. So basically, yeah, it's tourism. Right. Brings in the tax revenue. Right. There's a the sales tax. There's a, there's a, is there's there a gas a, tax. There's a, uh, a tourist tax on hotel rooms. That's and interesting. short-term rentals. See, I want to know, how does Florida make money? I mean. Revenue. Well, that's the thing. Because I mean, we're, we're not in the red. Don't get it twisted. The government gets their money. I'm just saying it's interesting. Let me t- let me tell you. I have to pay sales tax on the rent I pay myself. Now, that sounds crazy, right? So I I own the you office, rent, right? I, and yeah, I my one company it's a rental. my one company rents the office from my other company. I don't care if it's me myself and I, right? But here's what happens. When I pay that rent because it's a commercial lease, I have to pay sales tax to the Department of Revenue, Florida Department of Revenue on the lease where I pay myself rent. Well, that's why you want to rent it out to others. Even so, then, I still have to pay taxes on it. So them. it's not you. Right. I mean, then it's them, but still. I mean, it's just. If it, w- the bottom line is that you're going to be taxed on revenue. Whatever you make will be taxed. Well, so like sales tax is a consumption tax. So what is it like? Is it like 30%? What? So like, let's just say you make $100,000 a year. Are you going to pay 30000 in no, taxes? No, you'll pay. No. No, because mostly you you got to think deductions and things like that. That's one of the problems with like over I'm just trying to. I, I haven't really figured it out. I got a CPA. I would say the average. See, it depends on your income. Again, most people pay zero tax, right? Or a negative tax rate, federal income. Really? Federal How income many? tax rate. The bottom 50% of folks pay zero income tax. Are net. You seriously? Net. How zero is that income possible? Tax. Why? And then a lot of those have a negative because tax rate. Because they don't rate. make enough. Well, They're because, not even middle class? Because it's not just you have your tax rate on your income, but then you also have deductions and credits, tax credits for child tax credit and things like that. So you get that money back. So then all of a sudden it flips on its head and you end up with a negative 2% tax rate or something like that. I mean, it's, it really just depends. Now, if you take into account sales tax and gas tax and other things like that, then sure, maybe you work it out. I'd like to look that more. up and figure that out. But from it's federal public records, right? A lot of it? All of it. It's tax. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's public records. Yeah, of course. Wow, these three pages, we almost let's, let's hour. Let's pray. I need to pray. Go ahead. We need to pray now because I'm thinking about taxes and... I'm, I'm excited about it. of the it. year is coming up. and oof. Father, thank you so much that you have blessed us to live in a country, Father, where we have so much available to us when it comes to abundance, Lord. Whether we're rich or poor in this country, Lord, even the poorest of people are still rich. And those of us that have you and your son, Yeshua, God, we are the wealthiest of all. And so we just pray, Lord, that you would help us to spread the word about your son and his goodness and what he's done for us, the gospel of Jesus Christ, God, that it would go to the ends of the earth and that your son will return quickly. Bo, Yeshua, Bo. We love you and we thank you in Yeshua's name. Amen. 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 All right. Well, you can reach out to me at ryan at praise.net. Make sure you guys comment, get the conversation going on down in the comments there. And uh, I don't know. I mean, that's it. We just are so thankful to be here. Next week. Oh, 
the historical significance of Hanukkah. That's right. That's right. If somebody made it this far to listen to this part, oh, you're going to love God it. Bless it's, them. it's such an incredible subject. God bless them. Oh yeah, all it's six pages. <laughs> all right. Bless you guys. Have a great week.